All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. This is Leafs Morning Take with Nick Alberga and Jay Rosehill. Now we've got a fight started here right off the bat with Rosehill. 30 minutes of live, non-stop Leafs talk starts now. What's going on, everybody? It's the Thursday edition of Leafs Morning Take as the Maple Leafs get set to wrap up a four-game homestand tonight at Scotiabank Arena against the Dallas Stars. It's Nick Alberga and Jay Rosehill. Rosie off the top. We have to get to it. Did you see Sheldon Keefe walk back his comments from Monday night? What did you make of that? Yeah, it was, it was rattling, man. Like when he, so w- what did he say? Essentially, he says that, you know, we shouldn't be losing to the Arizona Coyotes. True. And he said, they don't have the firepower that we do. True. And he said that our stars didn't play like our stars. True. And we need to get them going and figure that out and, and start to roll. All of that is true. And I, I, I can't stand when a guy walks his comments back when he says something that he believes and he says something that's true. And other people came up to him and asked, hey, coach, what did you think about this game? Where did you see it going wrong? They ask him questions and he answers them honestly. And then after the fact, whether it's some idiot on Twitter or somebody in the media says, Oh, he shouldn't have done that. Oh, he uh, he shouldn't have put their players down like that. He's pointing fingers. Some guy that doesn't have, you know, the credentials to be making. You can make your opinions if you want, but you don't have the credentials to have your opinion hold weight. And then, so that's annoying enough that people are mad at those simple comments that a coach makes. Then Keith walks it back and like almost retracts a statement. And let me clarify, don't give those people power. Let those idiots spin their wheels. But when you do that and you back your you 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 back off your comments, you're just giving them power to do it again next time. And they're sitting in their parents' basement going, ha ha ha, look at what he did, because I bitched. I'm gonna watch him really closely. And if he does anything else I don't like, I'm gonna jump on it. And then they're gonna cater to me. And it's like you said in your tweet, it's the way the world is going, man. And I can't stand that stuff. Call a spade a spade. The truth is the truth. You came and asked the coach for his opinion. That's what it is. Don't back off of that, Keith. You're better than that. It it was annoying to see for sure. 
And maybe it's different from you and I. We grew up in an era where coaches used to call their players out every day. You'd read the newspaper the next day, and that's when you'd find out that your coach has ripped you, it seems. And now it's like you can't even say anything. you got to walk it. Like, I, I can't believe he apologized. Anyways, again, that's Jay Rosehill. I'm Nick Alberga. Remember to, remember to subscribe, smash that like button, leave us a review. Don't forget to visit theleafsnation.com for the very latest happening here on the Toronto Maple Leafs. And coming up at about 10 minutes from now as well, NHL Insider and the president of hockey content for Daily Faceoff, the NHL Insider, Frank Saravalli, will drop by. There is a lot to get into. The tension is palpable in this market right now, just four games into the season. With that in mind, let's get over the boards. Lineup changes, Rosie. We expected it, forecasted it on Tuesday following that disappointing loss to the Arizona Coyotes. And here we are. It sounds like Nick Robertson's going to make his season debut, filling in for Gino Malgin on that second line with John Tavares and William Nylander. What do you make of that play, first and foremost? I like it. I mean, it, it's what they wanted at a training camp, right? It's how it should have been. But due to cap constraints and contract issues and whatnot, they had to go a little bit of a different way. Malgin had a pretty good camp as well. And, you know, it, it's not on him by any stretch that, you know, they're, they dropped a couple games. Maybe they shouldn't have. But um, Nick Robertson was the better player in camp. Um, he should be in the lineup. And it's good timing that everything happened with the long-term IR situation and injuries and um, cap space opening up. So that's the way it probably should have looked coming out of training camp. And right now with where the team is, you got a huge game coming up tonight against a good team. And you need to shake something up. Sometimes it's just as simple as making a, a, a simple adjustment on one of the lines to all of a sudden have a different vibe going into the game. So I love the fact that they're able to make a lineup change. And I love the fact that they're able to go to Robertson because he looked really solid. And, and I mean, he can, he can do some damage on that second line with those guys. It's funny, all that hype going into the regular season following that preseason for Dennis Malgin, and he survives four games and then he's a health bomb right away. But again, we'll see him again. He does score earlier on in the season against the Montreal Canadiens. So there is opportunity still to come, I would think, for Dennis Malgin. But I think obviously a bit overhyped. And again, Jake Muzzin, as we saw, placed an IR. I want to say a couple of things about that front a bit later on, maybe in the interactive portion of the show after Frank. But Victor Mete expected to make his season debut, his Maple Leafs debut on the back end, filling in for Jake Muzzin again on injured reserve. And uh, it seems like a bit of changes to the second power play unit, which I, I think is always fascinating because the first PP plays like 98% of the power play, but Robertson and Rasmus Sandin are expected to play on the power play PP2 at least tonight. I think in general, um, what's your you know analysis on that power play so far? I, I think it's been dreadful. They're three for 14 to start the season. Yeah, it's um, it hasn't been good enough. I mean, they're they're trying to get it set up and, you know, I notice when a power play is not going, they just, and not that I have a ton of experience, but I have a lot of experience watching <laughs> power plays. But when they're moving it around the outside, moving around the perimeter, and, you know, the penalty kill seems like they're in control and all they're trying to do is keep their box and keep things to the outside. That's when things aren't going. And when, when a power play is clicking, they're throwing seams through the box. They're working it through, guys. They got defenders spinning around and pointing and jumping in lanes and cover cover and they're filling holes and guys don't know they're, they're they're picking them apart and they haven't done that yet the Maple Leafs this year and like you said that second unit is kind of just a cleanup unit you know when you got you know their first unit out there is as strong as they are there's no reason to uh, to get them off the ice after 45 seconds or whatever so um it hasn't been going but again it's just like the whole team yet it's, it hasn't been clicking yet they're two and two we talked about it yesterday 
with where they're at in the standings and everything. It's not a huge, huge issue yet, but you know, in a perfect world, we'd like those guys to be firing a little bit more. And when they get opportunities on the, on the power play, you'd like them to bury it because I think this team so far has given enough opportunities to the opponent on the power play. And when you get your time, you, you want, you want to, you want to produce and you want to put one away. So like I said, hopefully tonight. And don't forget, you need your elite players to be your elite players. Wink, wink, Ooh, nudge, nudge. Don't, Speaking don't of elite. That. Yeah, I know. I shouldn't say that. I'm going to have to apologize for my remarks on tomorrow's show. Uh, speaking of stars, Jason Robertson against Nick Robertson, the second time in their young NHL careers that they'll go head-to-head. -head. And that could only help, I think, the progression of Nick. I think he's coming off a really, really good uh, preseason. Obviously, at a strong offseason, I think it, it always helps when you have a player of the oak in your family as Jason Robertson. For my money, still one of the more underrated players right now. Rosie in the NHL through three games, big fat extension a couple weeks back, a goal, four helpers, five points. In 131 career games, Jason Robertson, Rosie, has 59 goals and 130 points. This guy's an ex exceptional player, so it's a good guy to learn uh, lean on, I would say, if you're Nick Ritchie, no? Yeah, big time. It's uh, that's impressive stats. He's not talked about enough on that team. That's a high quality team that he's standing out on. He's he's uh, tied for the leading points right now, like you, like you said. And pretty cool for Nick to be coming up. You know, he's a little younger and he's coming up, uh, starting his career, so to speak. And for the both to be young players and to be able to lean on each other for that kind of thing is is pretty cool. And and you know, once in a while, you're if you're both in the league, you're gonna get to play against your brother, which is probably totally surreal for them and their parents and their family. Obviously, a pretty special moment for those guys to be able to do that. Like you said, they've done it once before. I imagine that was was something else for him. But you know, with Robertson going through training camp and and whatever happened to him with the constraints, and you know he that's the business of this hockey sometimes you you do the right thing and you don't get rewarded for it but I'm sure his brother you know if he was leaning on him told him to be patient and and you know let this play out and he's going to be up there sooner than he thinks and then boom you know a week later he's back up and he's playing and his first game this year will be against his brother which uh which is pretty neat I'd, I'd love to see them kind of end up nose to nose somehow or something like that and do something entertaining because it's always funny when you got two guys that are that close together playing against each other I'd love to see a scrap, but you'll never see it. And again, they'll have to apologize to each other because we apologize for everything in this in this era. Um, Jason will likely skate with Hints and Pavelski. Again, quietly one of the better lines and the better top sixes, I think, in hockey right now. Any line that Robertson is on, I think you want attachment to when it comes to a fantasy hockey point of view. And as reference off the top, Nick Robertson, 16 NHL games in his career, his season debut. What's your expectation from that standpoint, him starting the season with John Tavares and Willie Nylander in line two? You know, I think he's just got to pick up where he left off, uh, off the preseason. He was one of the standouts um, on that roster. And like I said, he should have made the team, but, um, you know, he he waited his time down there for a little bit and he's going to get his shot. So I hope he picks up right where he left off. I hope he's full of confidence. I hope he's pleased. You know, it's always frustrating when a player like him gets called up. I can think of countless guys through my career who got their chance they're dominating the american league they're putting up points they're a power play guy they get called up and they get thrown on the fourth line to play with a guy like me and it's like you know you're not really getting a great opportunity but here comes robertson to come up and he's playing with those guys and and both of those players and Tavares and nylander are uh 
are really solid right now. They're actually the ones that are, are clicking a little bit on their on their high uh, high paid players and their their big stars. So I think it's a huge opportunity for him, and I expect him to take advantage for him. I, I wouldn't expect uh, to be surprised if he got in on some points or got in in some plays, or, or you really noticed him out here today. So he's uh, he's a good player, and he's getting his opportunity, and I, I expect him to make the most of it. All right, Rosie, let's get to today's guest right now, right here, right now, NHL insider and the president of hockey content for Daily Faceoff. It is Frank Saravalli. Frank, thanks so much for doing this today. Uh, we'll get him in mere moments. I believe we're going to connect with Frank. And and just piggybacking off your points, um, certainly I think when you look at the perspective of the Robertsons, plural, I think it is an underlying storyline. But first and foremost, from the Maple Leafs perspective, Rosie, it's got to find a way to get the job done. And it's going to be difficult. We, we've neglected to mention, at least I have off the top, Jake Ottinger is off to a remarkable start. So I know Toronto's offense has been sputtering. I think you throw everything but the kitchen sink at this guy because he's absolutely dialed in right now for the Dallas Stars. Yeah, yeah, he's phenomenal. And um, like I said, they're a strong team with a really strong goaltender. And and uh, it's a big test for them. And I wish it wasn't such a big night and wasn't such a big test for them because they do need a win right now, especially in the market that they play in. Um, they need to settle things down and, and get in the uh, above 500 column here. And tonight's a big game and it's a good time to shake up the lineup like I said Robertson I would like I mean it's it's tough to to rely on a 20 something year old kid with a handful of games of experience to come and inject um, a sort of offense into this lineup that shouldn't be the case but it is and you know it's nice that people are talking about that people aren't really talking about Matthews I would just like to see Matthews be Austin Matthews and come out and put up two two goals in an apple tonight and they win you know four two would be great a great game against a good team you proved you're a solid team lineup looks good even though you got guys hurt and on and long-term ir and this and that and all the other bs from the beginning of the year can just kind of go away for a little while and you can start to roll and that's what they need tonight and a little lineup shake up is kind of a good way to do that so i'm excited for the game and see how that see how that kid performs on that second line can't go wrong with that call, certainly, as we bring in today's guest. Again, the NHL insider and the president of hockey content for Daily Faceoff. Always bringing the heat. It's Frank Saravalli. Frank, thanks so much for uh, joining us today. What's your gauge on the temperature right now in Toronto? It's pretty high. And just um, doing some morning radio across the city, it's, um, it's interesting actually across the country to hear the reaction, depending on where you are, about Sheldon Keefe. And not just his comments, but then the idea that he felt like he needed to walk them back. Like that, I think, maybe caught some people by surprise and probably caught me by surprise a little bit with the idea being that I don't know that he said anything that was wrong. Like he, it was honest. It was passionate. It was also fair. It wasn't personal. Your best players have not been your best players. Like I, there's no need to walk that back. But I'll tell you what it speaks to, as you've seen some of these comments, guys, from around the league so far to this point, whether it's in Vancouver with Bruce Boudreau saying that uh, his team's mentally weak, or Miles Wood in New Jersey saying game two of the season is a must win. It speaks to the pressure that these teams are facing with varying levels of expectations to get off to a good start. What's your read, Frank, though, when it comes to like the heat? Is there heat on Sheldon Keefe to be successful right now? How about Kyle Dubas? Or is this something long-term they're going to have play out? Look, there's pressure on everyone, but I don't sense anything at all, you know, imminent in terms of, hey, you know, Sheldon Keefe's on the hot seat or Kyle Dubas is on the hot. I don't, I don't view that as, as a factor at all. I think 
part of the issue for the Leafs guys to start is that everyone there, including the players and their stars, know that really regardless of whatever happens this season, whether they're a 122-point team or whether they're a 97-point team, so long as they're in the playoffs, that they're only going to be judged based on how the playoffs play out. However you arrive at that point is, is regardless to anyone. So that's part of the issue, I guess, when you have a, a, a stumble out of the gate with the first four games that, you know, who cares? Like, this doesn't matter anyway at the end of the day so long as we're a playoff team. And I would remind you that last year, I personally felt like the heat was the temperature was was higher last year at this point when they were two and five. It hasn't been as bad as that as last year. And I think, you know, kind of just need to hold your breath and and hope that they they for their sake they get it going. Rosie, it's your time to shine, my man. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more, Frank. Like people are talking about do you think these guys feel the pressure and feel the hot seat of of what of what's going on on twitter like these guys have full-time jobs they are they are working day and night to either put together a team or manage their cap or look at contracts or who's playing good on the marlies or what are we going to do with this lineup they're doing things every single day and people on twitter are sitting there waiting for the next game with nothing to do so they go fire Keefe and let's do this. And they don't even think about the repercussions of, of what that actually means to just fire a guy four games into the season. I can promise you that Dubas has full confidence in Keefe. He's his guy going forward. I don't think firing Keefe has even come across anyone's radar, yet it's the number one trending thing on certain universes out there. And it, you got to put in perspective what these guys are doing, how far into the season it is, what their ducks are in a row, and what the potential is going forward, and how much time is left to do that. It, it's silly to think that anyone is starting to think about the end of their their line with the Maple Leafs right now. I just want to throw this out there, and I was laughing about it because the question was something like, you know, maybe Kyle Dubas isn't feeling as much pressure because he's going to get a job at the end of this no matter what happens, whether he re-signs with the Leafs or he walks, some other team's going to hire him. Maybe the same isn't true for Sheldon Keefe. Let me just read you Sheldon Keefe's record as head coach of the Toronto Maple Leafs. 118, 52, and 19. That's a 675 points percentage. And yes, he's had some talented players on his team, and of course that helps. But... He's done it in the pressure cooker that is Toronto, and he's done it coming off of some spectacular playoff failures as well. So I don't have any question in my mind as to whether or not he's the right coach for this team. And what would it take in order to begin questioning that? It, for me, it would really be like, you know, more than a quarter of the season or almost half the season with the wheels completely off, this season off the rails. And I just, with this group and the talent that they have, Yes, maybe adding to some of this pressure, guys, is the injury to Matt Murray and the injury to Jake Muzzin that I think probably weigh on this group and, and the front office more so than any of the way that they played in the first few games. But you're right. It's obviously hard to, to make a full prognosis four games into this season, but it just does seem like the sky is falling a week in. But it, it certainly is, and you're so right. It, this happens a lot every season. They always like to lose to Arizona, as we know. What are you hearing on Jake Muzzin? And I'll ask this as a two-pronged question. What does this mean for maybe Toronto's pursuit of Jacob Chikrin, potentially? I, I don't believe, to answer the second part first, that the Leafs have really been one of those teams that's in, been in hot pursuit of Jacob Chikrin. I think they had made a call way back when this all started. It feels like 18 months ago. It was probably a year ago now. 
um, that Jacob Chikrin has really been out there and, and available uh, from the Coyote standpoint. And part of that may, the interest may hinge on whether or not Jake Muzzin is available to them. Like, I think what really raised an eyebrow with me, and, and perhaps maybe it's just this standard sort of concussion conversation that's popped up. And I feel like it's been an even bigger thing since Tua Tagovailoa in, in Miami is like, you see this reaction from players now. And Mitch Marner had it where he was like, you know, you think of his family and you think of his post-playing career and all those things. And I was like, wait a second, how bad was this? Like that, those comments were, I was actually more drawn to those than I was that anything Sheldon Keefe said. And it's not just because of Jake Muzzin's concussion history and the neck issue and all those things and the time that he missed last season, I was already concerned about Jake Muzzin and his ability to be healthy because of his back. You watched the first few games of the year, and I was like, man, this does not look like a guy that's ready to compete at the NHL level given where his back is at. He looks slow. He looks like he's laboring, and that's not a recipe for success. So you take that and then add the concussion on top of it or whatever this injury may be, neck injury that they've reported. I don't... There's a lot of uncertainty that surrounds that. And I would say, depending on how they feel about Jake Muzzin and his future you know, in the short term and the long term, maybe that changes the discussion. Going back to the second part of the question about Jacob Chikrin, maybe all of a sudden you can afford him and that changes things. They could have to pivot, that's for sure. Uh, piggybacking off your report from Tuesday about the salary cap potentially going up four to four and a half million bucks if all goes well here in the offseason. How will, how will that help the Maple Leafs in the long run? And what's the latest you're hearing when it comes to Michael Bunting and, and those negotiations? Well, it would definitely help in the long run. I mean, the fact that this cap may be going up as soon as this summer, it's not something that anyone was expecting. The original projection was 2025. And then it was like, okay, we're pretty confident 2024. And then now we're hearing the NHL optimistic that it could be paid off in 2023, which would allow the cap to go up somewhere between four and four and a half million bucks this upcoming summer. No team in the league has been more damaged by the flat cap era than the Toronto Maple Leafs. They had, with the way their contracts were structured and, and suited out, they had everything mapped out for this cap to continually going up. And that hasn't happened. And now they've had to adjust on the fly. And I actually think it's been really rather impressive as to what they've been able to accomplish filling out their roster, given that there's been no increase that they were banking on. And so if you get an extra four and a half million bucks now, sooner than you'd expect, well, all that means is you can better support your team, you know, your star players by filling out your defense core better. And so um, it would be a big shot in the arm for a team like the Leafs to get there. Now, in saying that, I will say that the homework I've done in the 48 hours since I was at Board of Governors in New York is that a lot of people feel like that projection is a little bit rosy, that it's probably uh, not to connect to Jay Rosehill to that, but it feels <laughs> like it's maybe a little bit rosier than, than uh, what the reality may be. So we don't have a clear line of sight just yet on exactly what those numbers are that the targets they would need to hit in order to make that happen. But I can tell you that the Leafs are pretty excited just about the possibility of it for sure. I would. There's no doubt about that, Frank. You always bring the heat. Appreciate it. And good luck to your Philadelphia Phillies, okay? Yeah, thanks. Enjoying the NLCS. Uh, can't wait to go to the game on Friday night. Sounds good. Thanks, have Frank. fun. Take care. See you guys. There you have it. Frank Saravelli, the NHL insider, the absolute man, the stud himself, and the president of hockey content for Daily Faceoff. And 
Rosie, I can't, you know, I've been covering this team for the last couple of years, but I can't remember this much material and content a week into a regular season. Like we still have 78 regular season games before the playoff conversation, before the game seven talk. There's a lot, a lot still to come on this roller coaster, my dude. Yeah, it's great, isn't it? Like we start this show up and, uh, you know, I had people saying, oh, your show's just on on the one team, just on the one team. I'm like, there's no shortage of things with this one team and there never has been. But, you know, this year, especially you got you got roster issues, salary cap issues, contract issues, injury issues. Um, and then obviously the same old same old dog and pony show with not getting through the playoffs. So definitely interesting it's nice to see frank come on like a wealth of knowledge of that guy with with all the insider stuff and people don't really you know follow it as closely as frank is able to but um you know essentially what that means is that escrow is what the players pay off their paycheck towards the owners to make sure that they are made to make a certain amount of money they get guaranteed revenue and at the end of the day that money's sitting in a big pool and they add up the hockey related revenue which is the hrr and it has to be a 50-50 split. So depending on how the league performs is how much players are going to pay out of their pockets and out of their contracts to make uh, you know the ownership of each team feel like they've made money that year, regardless of how they run their teams, basically. But it's nice to know that there's going to be a little bit of you know savior coming for those guys that are up against the cap, cap so much because COVID has hit the, the league so hard. They didn't play enough games. Teams weren't coming to the game to the games in general. They got hit really hard. So for a fact that they're going to be paying that off early, what they owe, and they're going to be able to bump that salary cap up is just awesome. It's like a, it's like an early Christmas present to a team like the Toronto Maple Leafs. Really is. And it's certainly going to help the heavy hitters around the league, like Tampa, like Vegas, like the Toronto Maple Leafs. There's no doubt about that. And we'll see where it actually ends up, as Frank alluded to, maybe a bit more rosier than we expected in the initial report a couple of days ago. It's time to get to the wrap up brought to you by our friends at PointsBet Canada. Rosie, I'm going to keep it simple today. Austin Matthews, anytime goal for anybody who's been Looking in on this show, they know I've been red hot. Woo! There's going to be a point in time when I don't hit. But the elite players need to be the elite players. Last time I checked, Austin Matthews is elite, has one goal in his first four games. So give me an Austin Matthews anytime goal against Jake Ottinger and the Dallas Stars. How do you feel about that, Jay Rosehill? I love it. Like I've been saying for a week now, I'm following wherever you go right now. You literally haven't missed. So, um, <laughs> And I love that play. I've been saying all week. Austin's due. He's better than this. He needs to step up, and he's the kind of player that will step up when when needed. So, I love that play. Um, money's not too bad either for a player of his caliber. And uh, I just uh, I'm gonna keep riding your coattails because a you're making me a couple of bucks, and b I want to see Matthews get on the board, and uh, I hope he has a big game. And like you said, I would I would uh, I would bet on it. It's it's not a bad play at all. So. Fingers crossed for him tonight, and we'll be watching close. And uh, I think you're going to go, what would this be, six for six? Who knows? I've lost track for the first time in my betting career. That's, that's how hot I've been. But again, tail me right now until I tell you to fade me down the road. And certainly we're looking forward to the Leafs and Dallas Stars. Again, if you want to get interactive with us here on YouTube, on Twitter, you can chime in with your thoughts right now. We can bring it up here on the, on the airwaves. Um, as Frank alluded to as well, it was sort of concerning. I don't know if you saw this quote 
uh, about Jake Muzzin. Obviously for him, it's just making sure that he does come back and play this year, whatever happens. Just make sure that he's going to be able to do whatever he wants to do the rest of his life and enjoy the time with his family, his kids. That was Mitch Marner on Jake Muzzin. So that's the concerning part. I wanted to mention as well, the reverse retro jerseys are, are slated to come out the next couple days. And I believe we have a firsthand look, uh, at least according to producer Alex. And there it is. What, what do you make of that, Rosie? Stop. I hope that's a joke. <laughs> no, I, I think it's our, uh, Mike Westlake over at uh, theleafsnation.com put that together, I believe. And I think that's oh, tremendous stuff. Imagine that was our jersey. Having, having that logo on that piece of garbage is just, just cringeworthy. You know what's funny? Anything is going to be better than the last reverse retro. I thought those reverse retros a couple years ago were awful and and that is the leak by the way you're seeing the picture right now sorry if you're listening you really can't see but i'm sure by now you can go to social and check it out but that that's the leaked leaked reverse retro so we, we've seen that jersey before i i don't know how you feel in these these new jerseys i i just i understand why they do it because money is everything in professional sports but i don't i don't need 17 jerseys for my pro sports team do you yeah, I hear you. Um, they've become a thing, definitely. It's nice when – I love it when you just absolutely love a, a jersey from like 20 years ago on your favorite team, whether it's an old Canucks jersey yeah. or Flames jersey or, or whatever, and and they bust that out for a thirds, and it just looks amazing and everyone loves it. I really like it then. Um, you know, when a team goes to something that's just disgusting, like that Buffalo one I'm looking at, like – it's almost like funny to come up with the ugliest one they have, their Islanders one that they bust out. Like that's just known as the worst jersey in hockey and they bring it back kind of as a gag so that, you know, they sell out the shelves in the in the, uh, in the the team fan room or whatever the hell it is. So whatever, it is what it is. It's fun for the fans, grows a game, say what you want. It's it's not the end of the world. I like it when they get it right and when they get it wrong, you just kind of laugh and, and shake your head. But um, yeah, there's a lot of new ones out there and I don't mind it to be honest with you. That Chicago one's cool. Like I, li- I love when they go old school yeah. and really, really throw it back to, to the old years where it looks like it's an actual sweater. How can Vegas and Seattle have reverse retros, by the way? Like, I understand what we're going for, but you've been in the league for like a, a, a hot second, and all of a sudden you have a reverse retro. And speak for yourself on the Islanders. Tarps, I love those back in the day, so I'm happy they're back. But again, we can agree on some stuff on this show, right? Look at look at Vegas. It just says Vegas across the front. Sharks are different. <laughs> Sharks looks like the... Uh... The Flint Tropics jersey, doesn't it? They're beside Seattle it there. It looks like the Flint Tropics jersey, which is kind of hilarious. I uh, I know. I love that the Leafs don't touch theirs too much, man. It would be like sacrilege to a lot of people to to mess with that too much with the splashy milk one on the on the arms and the, the bottom. Oh, that would be dope. tremendous if they trotted out for a game with like the milk udders. I, I think that's something you'd see in like roller hockey. If you played roller hockey in the day, like a jersey, a tarp like that. And there it is on the screen right now. That I would actually, I'd, I'd buy that. I think that, that would, that would be a hot seller. I think that'd be the only time I'd come to a game and throw garbage on the ice. It would be during warm up. <laughs> no, they throw egos in Toronto. Don't forget that Rosie. That's going to do it for today's show. Looking forward to tonight's matchup against the Dallas Stars. Thanks for this. And uh, already can't wait for tomorrow's show because, again, we have no clue what's going to happen tonight, right? We really don't. And I wish it was uh, more of an easy test than it was against uh, the Coyotes. But maybe we're doing backwards week here. So looking for a good win, dude.
Yeah, easy's not the right word because we thought it was going to be a simple win against Arizona, and quite frankly, it was not. Uh, many thanks to all of you for listening, for watching, interactive on the chat, to Frank Saravalli for hopping by, for Jay Rosehill. I'm Nick Alberga. Thanks for watching. Take care.